0: We're going to look at John chapter 5 verses 24 through 47 John chapter 5 verses 24 through 47 and the title of the sermon is Do You Want to Be Saved? Do You Want to Be Saved? Let me pray for us and then we'll look at the text as we go through the sermon. Heavenly Father we thank you for your great love for us we thank you that Jesus gave himself for us so that we can have life. Uh, We thank you that you remind us of that through the mundaneness and the various trials we go through in our lives, even through the the darkness of the valleys. You remind us of the ultimate sacrifice of Christ on the cross. We pray that you would do that. Even at this hour, as we look at your word, help us to see Christ, uh, that we might be strengthened strengthened in our hearts to have greater love for you, the love that comes from God. Be here with us. Speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Calling this, Do You Want to Be Saved? Because um, in the beginning of this chapter, John chapter 5, we saw the text where Jesus asked the invalid, Do You Want to Be Healed? Do You Want to Be Healed? And then uh, Jesus showed the invalid his own inability to heal himself before Jesus healed him immediately with the power of his word. Um, so that happened in the same chapter. Now Jesus is speaking to the Jews who wanted to kill Jesus for healing on the Sabbath and also for calling God his Father, making himself equal with God. And then so we see here the in this passage that The healing and what he's saying here is connected. The healing of the invalid um, is connected to the spiritual condition of these religious people. Jesus, in essence, is asking the same question to these people. Do you want to be healed? Do you want eternal life? Do you want to be saved? So so we'll look at that through this passage. Uh, Three things. First, hear my words and believe. Hear my words and believe. Uh, reading from verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come to come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Notice here it says, Jesus says, whoever hears my words, and then after that he doesn't say, whoever hears my words and believes me, It doesn't say that, but whoever hears my words and believes uh, him who sent me, right? So that's because the Father and the Son are one. If you've seen me, you've seen God the Father. If you hear my words, it's the same as if you're listening to the Father who sent me. So if you hear my words and believe the Father, this is a way to have eternal life. That's what he was talking about in the previous passage. Now, um, the following verses expand on what he just said. Verse 25, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Jesus says, an hour is coming, meaning this is what will happen. And also Jesus says, hour is coming and is now here, meaning this is what's happening now. Right? So, Already, not yet, this is what's happening now, this is what will happen. So what is happening now is the invalid stood up and walked. And just as the invalid stood up and walked, what will happen is those who are dead spiritually will rise up and walk with God. Now, how is this possible? Verse 26, for as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. God has life in himself. God is self-existent. That's why he's called the living God. And the Father, he says, has granted the Son to have life in himself. That's why, you know, John chapter 1 verse 1, the beginning of the gospel says, in the beginning, in the very beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. So the Father and Son are both eternal. So this is why Jesus is able to call the dead to life. By the power of His Word because Jesus has life in Himself. Verse 28, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now remember, Jesus is speaking to the people who are angry because Jesus healed the invalid. Jesus is showing that the healing of the invalid is actually visible proof of what he will do spiritually because he has the power to give life, because he has life in himself granted by the Father. Now he's showing them through that visible manifestation of what he will do spiritually. Those who have done good are those who hear my words and believe the one who sent me, Jesus says. And they will resurrect to eternal life. And those who have done evil are those who reject my words and remain in darkness. They will resurrect to judgment. So hear my words and believe. Believe him who sent me. Um, So I saw, you know, I read these verses. And then it kind of reminded me of uh, when you go to um, like an arcade. you ever been to like Chuck E. Cheese or Famous Dave's or something like that? We used to go to Chuck E. Cheese a lot. Now we've kind of outgrown it. Now it's like Dave and... Not Famous Dave's. (laughs) Dave and Buster's. (laughs) Famous Dave's a different... Uh, I don't think they have games there. Like Dave and Buster's is what I meant to say. (laughs) Okay, so when you go to these arcades you always see the same types of People or kids. You always see the same type of kids. There are those kids who are playing. There are those kids who are done playing. There are those kids who are never done playing. And you can tell who they are. Uh, Those who are playing are just, you know, they're most of the kids there. right? They have a card with a limited number of credits on their card and they're just playing. Those who are done playing, you can spot them a mile away because they're just walking around looking sad because they've used all their credits like they're done right no more life left in the video games and they're hoping to grab like some some tickets that come out of the machines that some people forgot and they're walking around just moping around looking sad and then there are those who will never be done playing until their parents force them to leave these are the kids with the unlimited playing cards, right? The cards with unlimited credit. So they're running around with a big smile on their face the entire day because they can play whatever they, whatever game they want to play. So they even sometimes tap and start a game or wipe and start a game and then they decide to go play a different game. So they leave the game with the credit in the machine for those sad kids and then they go and play some other game because they have unlimited the credit. You see, what the Bible is saying is that you and I are the sad kids. Like, we're the sad kids walking around because we, by ourselves, in ourselves, have no life. And Jesus, he's the happy one who has life in himself. Jesus has endless life to give to whom he chooses. So he goes around. And grants life to those who hear his words and believes in the one who sent him. That is the way to eternal life. Because he has the right to give life. So hear my words and believe. Secondly, the evidence. So, okay, hear the words of Jesus to believe and have eternal life. Um... Why should we believe in Jesus? The evidence. Secondly, the evidence to believe. So now Jesus gives them, after that, one really good reason why they should believe Him. Verse 30. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. So Jesus is saying, I am not my own witness. He's saying, if it's just me, if it's just me out here, like tooting my own horn, right? Making all these claims. If it's just me, then you can say that my words are not true and you can dismiss it. But he's saying that's not the case. Verse 32, there is another who bears witness about me. And I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. Jesus says that, And then basically, he's saying, I'm not here on my own initiative. And then he first points to the testimony of John the Baptist. And the fact that John the Baptist testified about Jesus means that there's some sort of, if there was some sort of a legal charge against Jesus, there's evidence, there's sufficient evidence from the testimony of John the Baptist that uh, legitimizes, that gives validation to. To what Jesus is doing. Because there is a testimony of another. But at the same time. Jesus after that says. But that's only a human testimony. And Jesus points to. The testimony that comes from. None other than. God himself. Verse 36. But the testimony that I have. Is greater than that of John. For the works that the father has given me to accomplish. The very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. So Jesus points to uh, his works, right? So for example, like the healing of the invalid or in the passage before, the, the healing of the official son. He's saying these are signs that it is ultimately the Father who is at work as all that the Son is doing is exactly what the Father gave him to do. Therefore, The one who testifies about me, Jesus is saying, is ultimately God himself. Verse 37. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. You do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You see, throughout the scriptures, we see examples of people who have encountered God. What is Jesus saying when he says... His voice you have ne- never heard. So, so the Father testifies about me, but, but you don't know because His voice you've never heard, His form you have never seen, His word is not abiding in you. That's why you're not receiving me. What is he trying to say? You see, throughout the scriptures, we, we have examples of people who have encountered God and these things are true of them. So for example, Moses heard the voice of God. Jacob saw the form of God. Joshua, for example, had the word of God abiding in his heart. Joshua 1, 8 and 9. And now these Jews, who opposed Jesus, probably saw themselves, the way they saw themselves, probably saw themselves as people who identify with Moses and Jacob and Joshua and so on. They're probably thinking, the God of Moses, the God of Jacob, the God of Joshua, that is also my God. But Jesus is saying that the proof, right? That the proof that that is not true of you, the proof that the voice, his voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, proof that the word is not abiding in you, the proof that you are different than people like Moses, Jacob, Joshua, the proof is that you do not believe in the one whom he has sent. You know, sometimes I see some of my friends post pictures with celebrities, right? After random celebrity sightings. Right? And I see that and I get jealous. Man, why, why, why does that never happen to me? Wish I could see a celebrity at the airport and snap a picture together and post it, and then everyone can like, wow. You know? But then I also wonder, if I did actually see someone famous, would I recognize them, right? Would I recognize, because, because would the celebrity look the same in real life? Or would they look too different from what I see in the movies or TV? See, we can ask the same question about God. If God showed up in the world today, would I recognize Him? Right? If if God showed up, as He did here, uh, you know, in the first century, would we recognize Him? We see the God that we see in the Bible, and we think, We automatically think, we automatically assume, like, I know God. Like, I know the God of the Bible, right? Of course, the God of Moses, the God of Jacob, God of Joshua, that's the God of the Bible. Of course, I see him, and that is my God. And we think like that. But does, for example, my life reflect that I know and follow that God of the Bible? You see, the problem with these Jews was that the God they saw in the scriptures and then the God they worshipped in their hearts, right? Like the God they understood and like worshipped in their hearts that led to their lifestyle, that God was different. So when God showed up in the form of Jesus Christ, they did not recognize him. So as I reflect on my life, as I reflect on my values, as I li- reflect on what I what I hope for, as I live my life, does that line up with the God of the Bible? If God showed up today, would I recognize Him? The evidence to believe. Thirdly, lastly, the reasons you don't believe. The reasons you don't believe. Okay, so so Jesus gives them one huge reason why they should believe right now he points out a couple reasons why they don't believe verse 39 you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life so uh he's saying like you, like, you search the scriptures. So, so these people, they believe that the more they read of the scriptures, the more they memorized of the scriptures, that, that they would be good with God. Even though the scriptures testified about Jesus, they missed Jesus because they just read the words of scripture. And their thinking was, how could God not approve of me? I mean, I've memorized almost the entire law of God because I've searched the scriptures. Like, I'm in the scriptures. Maybe hours and hours a day, I'm in the scriptures. But you see, basically, they had a false sense of security. A security that came out of, basically, their own imagination. Um, I think that kind of... uh, Imagined security, that term, I read that somewhere, imagined security. It's not real security, but it's imagined security. That kind of imagined security is something that's common today also. Because many people today think just like this. Oh, if I go to church pretty consistently, then I'm good, right? I read my Bible pretty regularly, so I'm good maybe all along, like really, like if you if you really get the core of what's in our hearts, maybe we really refuse to submit ourselves to the authority of the Bible, right? Like ultimately when it comes out to it, I'm going to do what I want to do rather than what God calls me to do. We don't really live in obedience to God, but then at the same time, we live with this imagined security because I go to church, because... Uh, Look at my phone, like I have the Bible app on my phone. It's very possible that we can have that app and, and we might be attending church, but we could be missing Jesus, um, the one who has authority to grant life. So Jesus points to that, right? Uh, why don't you believe? Because you search the scriptures and, and in, the, in there you think you have eternal life. And you don't recognize me. So that's one thing that he points to of why you don't believe, your imagined security. Another thing, there's another reason he says why they don't believe. Verse 43, I have come in my father's name and you did not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. So not only are they not believing in Jesus, right? Jesus, the true Messiah, they're not believing in, but they're believing in Wrong messiahs, right? If another comes in his own name, I come in the Father's name, You don't. if another comes in his own name, you will receive him. So they reject Jesus who comes in the name of the Father and they accept those who come in their own name. Why is that? Verse 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? It's because these wrong messiahs gave them glory in some ways maybe these false messiahs used um, you know uh, methods of uh, like flattery for example to raise their approval rating and 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 get the crowd on their side maybe they made the people feel like they were a special chosen people and told them what they wanted to hear whatever the strategy was It worked because the people sought a glory that came from men and not from God. And again, that's exactly the same reason why many don't believe today. Because there are so many things in the world that offer glory, right? Which in the end is no glory at all. Live for this and you will be happy and so we live for that. Do this and you'll find pleasure and we do that. So many things that offer glory, and so we embrace it. We believe in it. We live according to it. And Jesus says to these people, you reject the glory that comes from the Father, and you welcome another that comes in his own name. The glory, you seek the glory of men. Um, Recently, I was thinking about (laughs) an FNL I was thinking about Gabriella and Troy. <laughs> um, in one of the saddest ballads of the high school musical series, Gabriella believes that there's something out there that's better for her. It's really sad. So she says, I gotta go my own way. I gotta move on. I gotta be who I am. My favorite part of that song. <laughs> Is when Troy comes chasing after her. And he says, But what about us? (laughs) What about us? What about everything we've been through? And it just so happens that when he says that, they end up exactly right in the center of the bridge, which makes for a perfect shot as they separate and let go of hands. You see that scene? that particular scene is the scene that could play on repeat every day in our lives to depict our relationship with God. Because we're constantly thinking that there's something out there that's better for me. Constantly seeking the glory of men, the glory of the world that is no glory at all. Constantly valuing something else more than the glory that comes from God. While well, all along, the Father reaches out, but what about us? Verse 45, do not think that I, that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you will believe me. For he wrote of me, but if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? See, the law of Moses was supposed to point them to Jesus. Everything that was written in the law of Moses was about Jesus and would be fulfilled in Jesus and will culminate in Jesus. But they thought it was just good enough to simply try in their own way to keep the law. And the very fact could not recognize Jesus, who Moses wrote about, was their indictment that they truly are not God's people. uh, So I think this passage is showing us, Jesus is showing us through these words, not only the way to have eternal life, it is only God who has life in himself, and he can grant life to whom he chooses, but it's calling us to to see him in the scriptures and to believe in his words that we might have eternal life. Um, I'll finish with this thought. Um, A question was asked recently of me. Uh, Someone asked this question. They said, is COVID-19 an interruption or a disruption? Is COVID-19 an interruption or a disruption? Interruption meaning like it's just a temporary interruption, right? Like we were living our lives a certain way and then COVID happened. And then for now, it's an interruption. And then because it's just an interruption, it's a temporary thing. And then later on, whenever that is, we can get back, you know, get things back to normal. and We can resume our lives the way that it was COVID-19 interruption or is it a disruption maybe you know we were living our lives and in some ways there was like something not right about it maybe concerning like what we were valuing how we were living our lives what we were living for what our ultimate hope was there's was something that's not right about it and so God brought COVID-19 or something like that or in his sovereignty and his problem whatever. And then it's a disruption, a disruption in such a way that he now he wants us to evaluate, think about things, disrupt our lives, uncomfortable as it may be, so that we can maybe um, turn from certain things, value the right things, and then move forward in a different way or a different direction or or more focused direction or whatever it might be. Disruption. It's COVID. Interruption or disruption? So, I mean, you can ask yourself that question. Maybe that's a question you can ask in life group this week. I think if we're really honest with ourselves, probably most of us will say, I want COVID to be just an interruption. Right? Like all of us, like we're dying to take our masks off. Right? We want to be able to get back into uh, social gatherings or, you know, Um, parties or sports stadiums or um, uh, weddings of a couple hundred people or whatever it might be. We want our lives to get back to normal because COVID has been such an inconvenience to my way of life. And again, if we're honest with ourselves, we hate the thought that it might really be a disruption. Some ways, like maybe like permanently, my life has to change. Like some ways, like some of the things I used to do or things that I used to value, like I won't be able to do that anymore moving forward. Or I won't be able to live like that anymore. Like just the thought of that, like we don't even really want to dwell on that because I want it to be an interruption. So, you know, a lot of times like we ask like we can ask that question and all we're doing is like we're looking at life from my perspective. Like ultimately like it's coming down to what is most enjoyable and pleasurable for me. But if we think about the the story of redemption. The redemption story that we see in the Bible there was, like, everything from creation, you know, the Old Testament, there's um, the accounts of Jesus, and then, you know, things that happen after, which we're living out right now. Jesus taking on the nature of humanity, coming to this earth, going to the cross for sinners. That was not an interruption, but an eternal disruption. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, who has life in himself, who was in the beginning with God, and was, was God, took on the nature of man, became obedient to death, even death on a cross, to suffer at the hands of sinners, to purchase our eternal life, to purchase our souls. And scripture says, for all of eternity, he will have the scars on his body. Think about that. For all of eternity, because of what Jesus Christ had to go through on the cross, for all of eternity, will remain a disruption for Jesus Christ as a reminder, perhaps, to us of his great love for sinners. That is the redemption narrative that we see in the Bible. And I think what this passage, what Jesus, what Scripture is calling us to, is to to get out of our own imagination of the God that we're hoping to live for, and to align ourselves with the God who gave himself completely for us so that our hearts, our hope, and our desires, all that we have, are in submission to him. We align ourselves to him so that as we come in, um, in union with Christ to be his people for all of eternity, our lives are um, also eternally disrupted by the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ let's pray together let's just pray for a moment again uh, Jesus showed up in our neighborhood in our lives today Uh, will we recognize him? is the God that we see in the Bible? really the God that we have in our minds in our hearts the God that we're living for Uh, many times when we're valuing the wrong things hoping in the wrong things in this world perhaps it is God saying to us um, but what about us? What about the um, commitment that we made at the foot of the cross? Um, Let's uh, evaluate perhaps our lives, our hearts and uh, submit ourselves to the God who was willing out of his great love for us Go through that eternal disruption on our behalf. Just pray for a moment before we close with a song. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for the reminder of the gospel message and gospel story, the entire redemption story. We thank you that we can never get away from it, no matter uh, where our hearts may be. Your persistent pursuing love will not fail. Thank you for your great promises in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to draw near to you as you promise to be near to us. And strengthen us, especially during this period of Lent. Help us to get closer to Christ, really fall in love with Christ in deeper ways that we might experience true, renewal and revival within our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ this unchanging covenant love of the Father God and the fellowship and the strength of the Holy Spirit be with you both now and forever. Amen.